I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Hey, Mr. Binks. You know how I always call you my bellboy because you always bark way before the postman's even got to the letterbox. But imagine if you were my eyes as well as my ears and my companion. Amazing. But that's why I'm so excited to be jumping on Zoom to talk to Amit Patel at Blind Dad about his amazing guide dog, Kika. Amit Patel, welcome to A Dog's Life. Thank you so much. Well, it really is a pleasure. I've been looking forward to this interview because we actually have met during the Barking Hour. So I'm particularly honoured to have met <laughs> Kika, your guide dog. But your journey to become, as your legendary you know, Twitter and Instagram handle says, at Blind Dad, which you know really highlights your kind of sense of humour, really, Amit, I think. And, uh, but explain to our listeners your, your story. Yeah, so I haven't always been blind. Um, I lost my sight about eight years ago now overnight due to a hemorrhage in the back of my eyes. And my life as a sighted person is completely was completely different to what it is now. So I was a qualified trauma doctor. I worked around the world. It was busy. It was hectic. It was... I enjoyed what I did. I woke up every morning with a smile on my face, knowing I'm doing something good and something I enjoy doing. Um, and then suddenly I lost my sight overnight and my world kind of changed. Everything I knew, everything I was kind of disappeared because it, it's funny how your career is a big part of who you are. And it's, it, you know, your, your social circle is based around that as well. And when I, when I lost my sight, because it was so, so very last minute, it just kind of happened. I didn't have time to prepare myself for sight loss. So I didn't, I didn't have time to kind of look at my family and kind of take that mental picture and, and kind of capture that, that time. It just happened. And obviously losing my sight meant, a, a, you know, losing my job, uh, losing my livelihood. And this is a year after getting married. So it was, it was a difficult period in my life. But looking looking back at it now, you know, eight years has gone. It feels like it feels like such a long time ago. But so much has moved on. I, I, I wake up now with a big smile on my face. I enjoy what I do. I've had to change my career. Um, I've got an amazing Labrador guide dog. That's that's part of the, part of the family, and we've got we've got two kids as well. So it's it's a whole thing where when I did lose my sight, I never thought I could be this happy. And now I, you know, looking back, I don't think I've ever been this happy in my life. Gosh, you see, this is really, you know, triumph over adversity. But, you know, Kika has really, your guide dog, has really helped through this. And at first, this wasn't really the relationship made in heaven that perhaps people <laughs> might think. And, and indeed, even owning a dog or having a dog in your life was something a little bit, you know, anthamina to you. Absolutely. So but, yeah, I, I love dogs, do you know? But the problem with with owning a dog is you need to be around. I was never around for as, as, as a doctor to, to kind of look after a dog. So I never had a dog kind of in, in, my, in, in my life. So even when we were talking about the, the, the concept of having a guide dog in, in the family, I wasn't quite sure what that entailed. And, and honestly, I don't think 
in my head, I, I was very much focused on, well, is a dog really going to look after me? Is it going to have my interest? You know, if we if we're walking down the road and it sees a squirrel, is it just going to run after a squirrel or will it just one day decide it doesn't want to work and stop and not find its way home? So it was it was one of those things that because I've never been around guide dogs, never really been around the, the you know, having a dog in my life, I never knew about the relationship that a dog could bring. So it was, it was all about the research. It's all about getting to know guide dogs, getting to talk to guide dog owners, listening to their stories. You know, it, and and from, from that, I kind of built up a picture thinking, well, a guide dog is definitely something that will enhance my life. It'll brighten my life. It'll take that worry off my wife every time I step out the door um, because she knows that there's, there's, there's a, an amazing creature looking out for me. But it's also looking at how guide dogs are matched to the, to the individual because it's it's one of those things that you know you could be you could be number twenty two in the list of, of of receiving a guide dog but you could be waiting for for years because the right dog hasn't come out of the system for you because people don't realize this but every guide dog is matched individually to to the to the blind person so depending on where you live how fast you walk. Uh, what work you do, how much traveling you do, all of this is kind of taken into consideration. Um, how confident you are, how much sight you have as well, um, because obviously sight loss is such a spectrum. So for, for me, I'm, I'm completely blind. So I needed a dog that I, I would completely rely on all the time if I, if I was out with, with, with a guide dog. So all of this is taken into consideration. And when I got onto the list, I was told, Amit, there's a couple of years waiting list because we don't think there's a dog in the system quite yet, you know, to, to suit you. Um, so I thought, perfect, because this gave me, for me, I thought anyway, gave me a couple of years to kind of get my head around the fact that, that you know, eventually a dog will be coming into my life. Um, I just wasn't prepared for the, uh, the phone call six weeks later. <laughs> Amit, we think we found you a dog. She's called Kika. And that's when I kind of cut off um, because I, I was still kind of shocked by, by, by what the person said to me. Uh, and then they followed it up with, um, we'll bring her around to, to, to introduce you to, to Kika, but she might not like you. Is, and that's how it kind of left. It was left that way. And it was only afterwards, after talking to guide dogs, that uh, we found out that Kika was quite challenging going through the guide dog training she she went from a couple of she went to a couple of um volunteers who looked after her she went to the training school where for the first three weeks she didn't move she didn't interact with other dogs and she refused to get the harness on her and the instructors had to take her to the park wear her out and then slip the harness on but the moment the harness went on her she was amazing and they just had to try and channel that because because the way kiko is is it's either Kika's way or it's no way. It, she's a very, very stubborn dog. Hence, I think this is why they matched her to me because um, I'm, I'm extremely stubborn. Um, <laughs> so, and it was it was also the love. Kika needed to feel that she was part of a family. Um, and I think that's it was the bonding process. And um, even, even the instructor said it took them until the right at the end of her training when Kika actually bonded with the instructor. Um, so they thought it was a perfect match. And, and it just happened that... It was, it was only a few weeks after I'd lost my sight that Kika was born. So Gosh. Kika was actually going through this, the bit of training to be a guide dog as I was learning to live as a blind person. And, and we kind of then met a couple of, well, 18 months later. 
gosh, you see, this is extraordinary. You know, I do so believe in fate and kind of energetic timelines. And I love the fact as well that Kiko's quite stubborn and (laughs) unruly because Labradors aren't known for that. You know, they're known, of course, to be extremely biddable. And, 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 you know, the breeding program for, for guide dogs ensures that their temperament as well as their health is obviously really robust to do to do their work so it kind of doesn't fit that you two guys were matched together really as being you know you know quite remarkable circumstances in in both of your own rights yeah well well, that stubbornness still hasn't gone if anything (laughs) worse I think um but yeah no she she is she's it's, it's quite funny because you put the you put the harness on Kiku and she kind of goes into work mode and she's very professional. She will kind of, she will do her work. The moment you take it off, she's a normal Labrador, and and I and I like I love the fact that she still gets to be a dog. You know, she's not working all the time. She she gets lots of time off and. And honestly, a lot of my work, I kind of work around Kika. If, I, if I've got work coming in, if I'm having to travel, I kind of think on how much that's going to impact on Kika, whether she's going to be able to cope with it. If she can't, if it's too much, if we've had a really long week, um, she'll have a day off and I will go out with my white cane and she will, she will spend the day with my wife and my parents um, and just be a dog and actually enjoy a day. Yeah. Oh, gosh. um, You're amazing, Amit. You really are. But you've really become a spokesperson, haven't you, for guide dogs and and indeed for, you know, sight impaired people. And and you're always on. I see you on BBC Breakfast regularly and Kika's there beside you. You know, how does she cope with, you know, her fame? She's absolutely fine with it. It's 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 lovely when we're when we're at a train station or we're walking down the road and someone shouts out, hey, Kika. And, and the lovely thing is if they follow us on social media, they always know to ask before they can kind of pet her. And, you know, I have all the time in the world. If someone's got if someone's got a question on how does Kika do this or why does she do this or or they follow something up on Twitter, you know, I, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to kind of answer the questions. But the one thing I think I've got the most out of on social media is a lot of people don't really know how to approach a visually impaired person. You know, they, they look at look at someone and they think, well, am I going to am I going to offend them if I ask them if they need help? Or I don't quite know how to to, to kind of introduce myself. And that, while they're thinking about this, the kind of the time's gone, you know, that, that, that moment to ask is gone. And, they've, you know, that vision impaired person is either gone or the person has jumped on a train. And it's it's breaking down those barriers, um, you know, and I think I think as a vision impaired person, the one thing. I, know, I don't think I've ever really thought about when I went blind. It's just how lonely it is. Um, being completely blind, you're, you're reliant on other people to introduce themselves. You know, you can, hear, you can hear noises around you. I could be on a busy train station and someone will say, good morning. And I'll just assume they're talking to me. So I'll turn around and say, good morning, back at them. And I say, oh, no, I'm not talking to you. I'm, t- I'm on my mobile. You know, so the next time you kind of hear that, you don't want to answer. And that, that, that you know, good morning could be directed to me. So it is very, very lonely when you're out and about. So it's, it's lovely when someone notices and says, well, are you OK? Do you need help? And even if I don't, it's just nice that someone's actually noticed me. Well, yes, I can understand that because, you know, the, the, the sad thing is, particularly at, at the moment in the news, there's a lot of discrimination still being done against guide dogs. You know, you're not, you should, under the Equality Act, right, be allowed to take Kika everywhere, like minicabs, yes. supermarkets, um, cinemas, you name it. But sometimes people don't get that. 
No, and I think I think that's that's very sad sometimes. You know, when you're when you're in a supermarket and you've got a security guard chasing you and saying, "Take that dog out, take that dog out," and you have to explain yourself. And do you know what? It's it's one of those things where, you know, you don't walk into a shop expecting to be refused, but sometimes it happens, and you just kind of have to explain yourself. Sometimes you, they catch you on a bad day, and you know, it's the last thing you want to hear is someone shouting at you and saying, "Get that dog out of the shop." And in a weird way, you know, everybody's looking. That's that's the worst thing. You know, it's kind of made it into a spectacle now. So I think education is is, is the way forward. I, I know, you know, I, I work with a lot of um, businesses and, and kind of educate them about uh, assistance dogs, not just guide dogs, but hearing dogs um, and other assistance dogs. So it's 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 knowing, you know, what's an assistance dog and what's a pet, really. And of course, guide dogs are doing a lot of campaigning themselves because, you know, how how old is guide dogs now, Amit? Was it in the 1940s, the first ever guide dog? It's 90 years this year. Wow. Um, wow. So guide dogs have been around 19... 19- 31, I believe, and it started off in a lockup garage in uh, Merseyside back in, back in 1931 with uh, four dogs. So the organization has just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And in those in those 90 years, I, I think it's just over 36, 37,000 people they've actually um, transformed lives for for providing a guide dog. No, amazing, amazing. I, I think the first guide dog was Swiss and people couldn't believe that he'd been trained to do this as the first, you know, assistance dog charity, you know, or, yeah. or concept. And I think it wasn't it a German Shepherd. That's right. It was yeah, called Buddy, I think. And I learned about his story I mean, years ago, but it, it always brings a lump to my throat. So you can probably hear, you know, and he worked in Manhattan and they couldn't believe it. And I just think, you know, the power of trusting in it an animal image you know do you have any examples of moments where you know Kika has really led you through a possible dangerous situation or a situation that's really made you think gosh Kika you know you are more than a dog yeah what's it, the funny thing is a lot of the a lot of the times Kika stops and and does her maneuvers and kind of takes a left or takes a right I don't really know why she does that so obviously I, I don't see the dangers ahead of me and it's it's when it's, it's simple things like when you're when you're crossing a road um so a lot of people think it's the guide dog that tells you when it's safe to cross the road it's actually the guide dog owner that tells the dog forward and if the dog sees any danger then it will it would hopefully stop but um you you know you get to a pelican crossing you push the button you put your hand underneath the pelican crossing because there's a little cone that spins to indicate it's a green man because not all crossings uh, make a noise because if you've got two or three crossings next to each other you wouldn't know which one's beeping so you've so every time the green man goes you've got a little cone that goes up that spins underneath the uh where the button is and usually that would indicate it's safe to go i would tell kika forward obviously listening out for traffic as well but you don't hear the electric vehicles in a, in a busy city so when sometimes you step out and a car's coming across a junction you know there's there's many times Kika stopped in the middle of a road and that's because either a cyclist or, or an electric vehicle has, has kind of come past um so in in a day's work it's it's incredible that you know she takes up takes all of this environment in especially in a busy busy city like London and and it could be anything it could be a, a footpath completely closed due to construction work. It could be something blocking a footpath. It can be that she might have to take me on the road to get around a car that's pa- parked on the pavement. 
um, or even sometimes actually it's it's when you get to an island when you're crossing and the little spinning cone doesn't work on the island and you just kind of stood there for 15 minutes hoping that someone sees you um, and then if nobody does see you you have to take that chance to get across the road but yeah she's do you know what she is amazing I, I do wake up and 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 kind of trust my life in Kiko every time I, I, I leave the house but so do every other guide dog owner you know it's that bond you have and the longer the dog's with you, the stronger that bond goes. And even even these little telltale signs that Kika has when she's walking and, and, the, and you know, she has these tiny little wiggles or her bum moves in a certain way or her head moves in a certain way tells me that there's, you know, an obstacle on the road or she's just seen another dog that's walking past and she really wants to go and play with that dog, but she knows she's not allowed to. So she's kind of holding herself back and she's got the Kika shake, um, which means that she really wants to do something, but she knows she's in harness and she's not allowed to do it. Um, so all these kind of telltale signs that kind of make me laugh as we kind of do our journeys every day. Oh, gosh, yes, because dogs do so communicate. And um, and it is, you know, through through body language. And and also, you know, I'm a great believer, you know, as I said, in energetic connection. But talking about, you know, these um, electric vehicles, you were on um, oh, all the news channels, I think, recently, I mean, talking about e-scooters and why they are particularly, you know, a threat to you and Kika and others? Yeah, well, electric, I, I love the concepts of an electric scooter. I think it's a great <laughs> way of getting around. It's just how they're used, you know, privately owned scooters are legal to buy, but illegal to use on our, on our highways and our pavements. Um, and then you've got the e-scooter trials, uh, which are happening in the five boroughs in London. And they are they're fantastic if you use them in the right way if you're using them on the road and not on the pavements you know there's absolutely no issues there whatsoever but it's when they're jumping up and down off the pavements onto the road um you can't hear them coming um and that's that's the biggest biggest thing because you're, you're so concentrating on on actually listening out for your environment you don't hear them until they're they're kind of right next to you and sometimes in in, in busy environments when you're on a, on a busy uh, path they, they come so close to you, you can actually just feel them brush past. And it's, it's small things like that. If they freak, if they freak the dog out and the, and, and, and the dogs kind of move, you're kind of holding onto a harness and you've got a lead as well. So you can get caught up. And I have young kids. So I've, I'm usually got Kika in my left hand and I've, I'm holding my hand. I'm holding either my son or my daughter and they're kind of walking next to me. We've had e-scooters come up next to us. We've even had parents take their kids to school on e-scooters. Mm. Um, and it's, it's one of those things that they're, they're dangerous to use if they're used in the wrong way. Uh, you know, if, if they're used in the right way, I think they're fa a fantastic way of getting around London. Yes, yes, I know. I, I just do feel people are rather exposed on them and it wouldn't take a lot, you know, to kind of fall off, you know, for the whole thing to topple over. It's, um, one of my limitations, actually, I think I'll... Um, stick to uh walking around i think <laughs> it really but i know what you mean and even for my own dogs they've been um a bit spooked by them again on the pavement as as you say so yeah i think government needs to look at that and there needs to be much tighter perhaps penalties ongoing for using them on the pavement a bit like cycling on the pavement i don't think it's legal to ride a bicycle on a pavement it never was when i passed my cycling proficiency anyway i mean so i don't know absolutely and also the um the even with the e-scooter to trials that they're, they're because you you use them and then you you leave them 
people don't always leave them in their designated areas. They've been sometimes left on the pavements, like across pavements, they're left next to the, the pedestrian crossing, so you can't quite get to the button. Uh, they're left on tactiles, and obviously tactiles is what vision impaired people use to navigate. So it's all, it's all these concerns that, um, you know, if they if they use right, they're absolutely fantastic, but so, sometimes, you know, not everybody does. No, and it's always to think about other people, really. I've seen um, some of these bikes, you know, Boris bikes, um, <laughs> On the middle of the Hackney Marshes, yes. just left there over, you know. So they've obviously cycled out to meet some people, or whatever, but they haven't taken the bike back anywhere. So, you know, and um, then you know that it, you know gets the council involved to sort things out. And but it it it's about kindness, isn't it, and respect. And and I think through lockdown, hopefully everybody has you know had some time to think about this and to be compassionate. Absolutely, I I think I think in the in the last year where you know you, you could have had a, an amazing social life and then suddenly everything changes and you, you've kind of found yourself alone or maybe you're reliant on other people um, or, 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 or actually found that you've, you've got people on your, on your street that need help. And, and it's that whole compassion, you know, it's looking at things on, from another's perspective. And I guess if, if you've never experienced something like sight loss or, or loneliness, you don't know how it feels. You don't know what's, what someone's going through. So to kind of think about other people. I, th- I think people are coming out of this lockdown with a better perspective of, of loneliness and, and, uh, and even hardship, even, even that, that feeling of, of the uncertainty. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, society in general is just so much more kind and, and thoughtful and, and, you know, they're thinking about other people. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping it kind of, you know, we get stronger as a community. I really hope so. Um, I think it is an opportunity, you know, it's to look at life as opportunities for betterment. Yes. But, you know, going back to Kika, she is a super character. Um, <laughs> and explain how you felt, you know, when they came around, guide dogs came around to your house and brought Kika to you. You know, what was the first thing you thought? It, actually, it was it was from the from the phone call, from the phone call saying we'll bring Kika around in a week. Uh, week's time um, it was it was from that moment that I had I don't think I slept all week because it was that I, I, I kept telling Seema my wife I kept saying look you know I'm going to fall in love with this dog but this dog probably isn't going to like me or isn't going to like where we live or just isn't going to be you know compatible and it w- I just could not sleep all week and eventually that, week, that, that day came along they they um, they buzzed the uh, at the bottom at the flats they brought her up and they said, look, Hamid, we'll just let her off because it was two instructors who came with Kika. And they said, we'll just let her off. We'll, we'll see what she does. And we thought, perfect. So we, we made our way into the living room. Kika went and wandered the entire flat, found a, found a nice sunny spot in the living room and fell asleep. Mm-hmm. And for about 20 minutes, we're, we're, kind of, we're having a cup of coffee, we're having, uh, talking about guide dogs in general. And, I, and, I'm, and I, I can feel that she's just in front of me. Just, if, I, if I put my feet out in front of me, I could probably tap her. And I was thinking, you know, if she doesn't wake up in half an hour, I'm just going to kind of just give her a bit of a nudge, see what happens. And eventually she did wake up and she made her way over to me um, and she let me give her a little bit of fuss. And the instructor said, well, actually, this is a good sign. You know, she's not making for the door. Let's put her in harness. And and let's take a walk. And this was the this is the first time I I, I put Kika in harness and we, we went out and I've got the instructors behind me. And about five minutes into the walks, the heavens opened and it absolutely poured down with rain. But Kika, all she did was slow her pace down and we kept walking. And then this is a, this is the season that the Canadian geese were all at 
the Docklands with their babies and all really loud. So it was a very, very loud environment at the time. And she was absolutely fine. We made our way to a bench where we sat down for five minutes and then made the journey back again. Um, we got back to the flats and I kind of said, well, does this work? Is this, you know, is this any good? Or is, is any more follow-ups? And they said, look, Emmett, you know, she hasn't made for the door. She's not kind of going the opposite way. She listened to your commands. Um, we think, you know, this is a good match. And the only way to know is to put me and Kika into, in a hotel for 10 days. So that way it's, it's a new environment for me, a new environment for Kika, and we can do our training in, in, in a safe environment. And that's, that's really where it started. But I think the turning point for me, even when we got to the hotel and we started our training, the first couple of days, I was very, very hesitant and giving Kika full control because it was a new experience for me. And I was still very much, well, is Kika really looking out for my interest or is she just going to walk me down some stairs? <laughs> um, and my instructors kept telling me, Amit, you need to kind of let Kika do her thing. And I, I said to him, look, I'm really, really, I'm trying, but it's really difficult, you know, it's, but, but on the third morning, I woke up uh, early in the morning in, in the hotel and I've, I've got my hands against the wall trying to find the bathroom. I get to the bathroom door and Kika's actually blocking the door. And she was 18 months old at the time. And I'm trying, I'm kind of giving Kika commands to move out the way. She's not having any of it. Eventually, I had to kind of grab her collar and, and, and yank her out the way, and which she did. That was, that was about half an hour later. And I opened the bathroom door and the bathroom was flooded because overnight a pipe had actually burst and actually flooded the bathroom. And that was the turning point. And that's when I knew this, this 18 month old Labrador that I've only known for, for a very, very short amount of time is actually looking out for me. And she wasn't even in harness. She was just up in the morning before, before me just so I wouldn't wake up and, and walk into that bathroom. And that's when I kind of thought, well, if she can trust me, if, well, if she's looking out for me this much, you know, there's, there's no way I can't trust her in my life. Gosh. And all of this, Amit, is all in your book, isn't it? Kika and Me, which is a riveting read because it really goes into detail about the whole journey. And it's moments like that, that to be honest, that's so brought tears to my eyes because dogs really are very, very special. And again, you know, maybe she, she, she wasn't in harness. She did that because she loved you and she knew in this knowing way that you would have been in danger or slipped and fallen if you'd gone into that room, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Do you know what? The, we, we've had Kika now for all she's, she is turning eight this year. We've had her for a while now and, and the bond just gets stronger and stronger. And, and the lovely thing is she's she's not just a dog. She's not just a guide dog. She's part of the family. You know, my, my, we saw her as the first child you know, it's that practice where, you know, before the kids came along, you know, you wake up in the morning, first thing you think about is Kika, last thing you think about before you go to bed is Kika. And it's the the unconditional love she has is just amazing. And and the the reaction and 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 the the, the love she has for with, with my kids and my wife, that that to me is what true family is all about. You know, she she dotes on my kids my kids dote on her and I, I, I she looks after you know she can handle my kids better than I can handle my kids you know it, when, when, when the kids are being naughty she will put paws on them and say and, and kind of say sit down and they will sit down um but it's it's just amazing that she's she's integrated into our family in such a way that 
she's been with us you know every, everywhere we go the advantage I guess of her being a guide dog is she's everywhere you know we, we go on holiday she's on the on the plane with us uh, we go we go out to dinner she's in a restaurant with us my kids turn my, my son still turns around and says to me well daddy why can't other dogs come into restaurants why can't other kids be, uh, other other dogs be on an airplane like Kika does you know it's 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 the fun, funny thing is they don't see her as a dog either. They, it's, it's, you know, they, they see her as part of the family and I, and I love that. And I think a lot of people with dogs can relate to that. Can, you know, it's just having a dog in your life. It's just so incredible. It's, it's, it's one of those things where they know you better than you know yourself. She knows me. You know, she knows the way I'm feeling and I, when I wake up in the morning. She knows if I've had a really bad day, she'll slow her pace down. She'll take an alternative route. She will let me miss a, a tube and get the next one. She won't rush for it. Um, and she does all of this all, all by herself without me giving her any of these commands. It's because she gets to know me and she knows me so well. I bet guide dogs are really proud of you, Amit. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I am, Guide dogs are a huge part of our family because... The, the incredible staff guide dogs have and that 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 passion to, to have to train these dogs and then these dogs are life changers for people like me and the volunteers I cannot thank the volunteers enough for for taking these dogs in as a puppy training them up and then letting them go and we 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 see so many dog guide dog volunteers. We see so many puppy walkers. We we still keep in touch with Kika's puppy walkers, and we love hearing the stories about Kika when she was a puppy. How naughty she was, and and how just she was reluctant to listen to any adults, and she just listened to the kids. Um, but then if you told her off like a child, she'll go and sulk in the corner, um, <laughs> and then she'll kind of come back and give you hugs and tickles. And so it's you know it's 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 people who give up their time, give up their energy, people who donate to guide dogs. You know, you, you truly do change people's lives. Oh, no, it's it's fantastic. And really, gosh, I urge everyone to get a copy of Kika and Me and you know, immerse themselves in your journey. So where can people get the book, Amit? You can, so the book is available in hardback, uh, paperback. You can pick it up at Waterstones, Amazon, any any big, any any supermarket now as well actually it's available in audio formats and you can get a copy from the rnib library as well in braille oh wow that's that's absolutely amazing i uh, thank you for this i just i find this your whole story so inspiring amazing amazing and it really exemplifies this uh wonderful bond that's unique between every dog and, and and every owner and gosh I just would love to meet you and Kika again in real life which hopefully we can do very soon absolutely I can't wait that's our show Mr Binks what did you think I know I bet you can't wait to meet Kika in real life it really is a very special treat what's that Yes, it is time for Woof of the Week. Dogs aren't only our companions, but also our eyes, ears, and guardians through life. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcasts. We're streaming on all apps and it's free to subscribe. Thanks, of course, to Amit Patel and to Kika. All their links are in the show notes. Thanks also to my very patient producer, Mike Hansen, for all the recording, the editing, and the music as ever. Find out more about him at Pod People UK. 
And for me, I'm at Anna Webb Dogs. Or why not have a little nose around my website, annaweb.co.uk. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, we will be back in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you subscribe now so you'll never miss another show? Bye for now.